Hello and welcome to the first Ulster Rugby Roundup of the 21-22 season. We've had a summer packed with rugby, Ireland International, the Lion Tour, but none of it's really the same as a good Pro 14 match, isn't that Pro 14 right? doesn't even exist anymore, mate. ERC. <laughs> that's right. Get it right. Come on. That's, that's wrong foot. You're off the wrong foot. Like, it's not called that. I just don't want to lull anybody into a false sense that this podcast might be in any way professional uh, this season. So best to start off uh, with something wrong. Um, yes, you're right, of course. Pro 14 is no more. It's now the United Rugby Championship. Um, that doesn't begin until later this month. So before that, um, we're here to take stock of where Ulster are ahead of their pre-season doubleheader against Saracens, how the injuries uh, are looking, new signings, or, well, new signing, um, and uh, the start of the Women's Interprovincial Series as well. So joining me, Gareth, to do all that, as you've already heard, is Jonathan Bradley. Hello, Jonathan. Hi, how's it going? And Michael Sadler. Hello, Michael. Hello there. Good, good to have you both back. How was your How was your summer? You got a little bit of a break, Michael. Well, yeah, I suppose. Um, moved house, which you know that that was that was the summer. Okay. Good. Other than that, yeah, all fine. Uh, an easy move. Nothing. Uh, nothing stressful. Um, no, not really. No, there's no such thing. I think as an easy move, but yeah, <laughs> it's done now. Thank God. <laughs> Jonathan, you got a little bit of a break after the Lions, didn't you? Let the hair down. <laughs> What's left of it? Um, yeah, I didn't do anything or go anywhere. I like just sat and waited for the season to come. So <laughs> <laughs> just like just like a robot in storage, waiting <laughs> waiting yeah. to be useful again. Oh, fair play. Just powered down for a few weeks, and then uh, last Saturday I was back with a vengeance. Good, good. So we will begin with uh, Ulster's first press conference of the new campaign, which was yesterday. So Dan McFarland was up um, in front of uh, the press. Jonathan, um, first of all, on the injuries, what uh, what did we learn about the injuries and the state of the squad? I suppose the big injury news is that there's no, it's not going to be short term for the likes of, you know, the guys that missed the end of last season, like um, Luke Marshall, Jack McGrath. Cormac is a chuka. Now, those were obviously, as we knew, serious injuries that required surgery, but it's um they're they're not on the horizon. Basically, you're talking they're gonna miss a good chunk of this season as well. So um that would be the main thing. And obviously, just with the team announcement for uh for tomorrow night's game, still no John Cooney. So um he's still working his way back, having um, you know, he's been involved in uh, he's been involved in preseason training obviously but I think um you know from talking to him a while back it, it's not that long since with that injury that he wasn't able to pass the ball so uh, he's just I suppose building his way back up which is going to be interesting to monitor obviously with the scrum half situation that we have um with Alvin Matheson having uh, having gone back to well I'm going to say back home but back to Australia uh is there any indication as to what game Cooney's target and like is it it'd be all right for the start of the season or it's like it's not as bad as the as the other ones and like I said he has been involved so it's probably just a matter of having you know he has to get up to the speed that mm-hmm. everybody's at or everybody else is at and it's very much a case of pre-season friendlies are positioned strategically for when players who have started the pre-season on day one are going to be ready for a game so it's you know if you aren't taking a full part to the start that sort of has a knock-on effect mm-hmm. 
and Marshall McGrath, you'd written in today's paper or out until sort of the new year, probably most of this season. Is uh, is a Chukwu in the same boat as that? Well, you look at your normal sort of ACL and you're talking nine to 10 months now. Obviously, everything's, um, everyone's individual, but that's your sort of baseline target. And you only got injured in April. So you would be talking the Six Nations would be the sort of natural target for that anyway. So, it's, you know, it's no surprise that he's going to miss a good chunk of this season, given that he got so injured so late in the last season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, Michael, the, just those three injury concerns then, outside that, um, Ulster fairly well at full strength. Um, just how highly do you rate full strength for, for Ulster this season? Um, what's your view on the squad going into it? We've only got one signing, Mick Carney, who we'll talk about in a little minute in more depth. But um, what do you think of Ulster's squad in general going into the new season? Well, uh, there's been a lot of talk about the notion of promotion from within, um, using the talent that you you have developed, uh, utilising it and, and trying to filter it through uh, in, in perhaps higher quantity to the senior team that may, may have been the case before. I think this is one of the mantras in you know the McFarland regime um, coupled with clearly market forces. The fact there's been so little rugby over lockdown, the fact that money is very tight, all these factors have all bled into the situation we're in now. How that will go, very, very hard to say. Um, we, we, we don't know just how many of them will always be available. Because I mean, Ireland matches coming up in the autumn and that extra uh, weird one in uh, Las Vegas, which may well pull a number of guys away. Um, we're not going to see an awful lot of Ian Henderson. So it, it's just, in essence, I suppose, what, what we're kind of looking at in this first friendly could be the basis uh, for a side that might have to talk out more often than normal. They, look, you know, I, I, the, the issue has always been up front, whether they just have enough beef, whether they have enough presence in the front five. And they, they, they haven't recruited really anybody apart from McCarney, who's here on a short-term basis, we assume, while Ian Henderson's missing. And maybe because of Cormac Isichukwu's uh, unavailability as well. But we also don't know if anybody else might be um, might be having issues. Um, but, um, you know, they, 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 they've got a great back line. They've got great potential there in the back three. And if, if they can get a sufficient amount of ball and if the forwards can live with what they've put up, you know, put it in front of, then they, they have a very good chance of showing some of that high tempo and some of the attacking flair that we know they have. Clearly, we've got Dan Soper now in position as well. It'll be very interesting to see how he goes now that Dwayne Peel has left with his remit uh, effectively covering that um, attack. Um, but it's the same, it's the same, I think, the same issue as always. Will they be strong enough up front? And I'm not terribly sure they will be. Maybe in the uh, URC, Hope I've got that right. It is the URC. Yes, the Ultimate Rugby yeah. Championship. They they may well do United quite well. United Rugby Championship. The what? United oh, Rugby what? Championship. They should just rename it. Did I not say United Rugby Championship? I thought you no. said Ultimate, which brought to mind... Um, oh, yeah, Ultimate. UFC. Club, yeah, UFC. Yeah, that's sorry. Yeah. Probably did, actually. Um, it should be Ultimate Rugby Championship. Never mind. Um, it's a good summer podcast topic. Where would Conor McGregor be best suited in a, in a rugby team? <laughs> yeah, we'll put him in the front five at Ulster. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, you know, they, 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 they could go quite well there, but it's the same thing that we always have every year. Will they be good enough uh, when it comes to matters European? And that, you know, and also when we get to the, the nitty gritty of, of pitching for that, dare I say it, I'm going to say it, that old thing, silverware, that we say it all the time. 
we have these discussions every year. Um, and it's the same thing, isn't it? We don't know, but they certainly, to my mind, do lack a bit of grunt in that area. And of course, they didn't get uh, Nakarawa as well. We're not sure how good or otherwise he would have been possibly not great, but he was another option, which they just don't have now. Well, that's a good uh, a good teaser for uh, our proper season preview, which we will do before Ultimate Rugby Championship uh, season does begin later this month. I don't know whether we're joking, but I feel the need to stress that it's the United Rugby Championship. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... Michael, you mentioned the, the new sign in there, uh, Mick Carney, 30-year-old lock, uh, Comet Leinster and Zebra has played for so far in his career. Just just how much do we know about him as a player and, and what do you make of him as a player? Basically, he's there for he's there for cover though, isn't he? Like if, if Ian Henderson was going to be available every game, Cormac, he's a cheeky who wasn't injured, he wouldn't be there. He's basically, he's there in case something else happens to the, the other pack of locks that we have there. Well, Something may already have happened because I see Dave O'Connor, I don't notice in that Ulster team. So if he's, let me just check, yeah, if he's not there, because uh, Dave O'Connor had, I think, surgery at some point last season. And if he's also potentially not available, then yeah, um, they're, they're down. Mm-hmm. They're down. All right. Um, but uh, yeah, look, he'll bring, he's a, he's a, he's a seasoned pro. He'll not bring anything too spectacular, I'm sure, but he'll do a job um, and um, will fill the hole and, and presumably play where, when and when, when and where he's required. And we don't know how frequently that will be, but we're assuming that he's not just there to make up the numbers. He is there because he probably will be deployed, maybe particularly in the early Ultimate Rugby, sorry, United Rugby Championship games when we get into that, which isn't all that long now. Yeah, no, absolutely not. Obviously, the other options that lock there are Sam Carter, uh, Alan O'Connor, Dave O'Connor, if he's available, uh, Kieran Treadwell, and uh, and obviously Ian Henderson. Jonathan, just how little can we expect to see Ian Henderson this season? I just think about it. If Ireland have four tests in November, which seems to be the norm now and probably will be the norm moving forward, we obviously saw the ERC sort of switched their dying week to coincide or to align with the fact that this fourth autumn international was happening for all of the uh for all of the home unions so that really takes out essentially the entire month of november he's going to miss at least the first three possibly the first four games anyway so he'll play once or twice then he'll go play four games for ireland then ulster will have the two European games plus the Christmas derbies, he'll probably play what you would think one of the Christmas derbies, maybe one of the three. Then you've got two, uh, two European games in January, and then you're away for the Six Nations, and you're not back again until April. So it's not a new thing. It's just it's somewhat different this year because the season finished or Ulster season finished at a semi-normal time and is starting at a semi-normal time where the Lions tour was still going on a month after it would normally finish. Mm-hmm. Plus you've got the, the quarantine situation as well yeah. for, uh, for players coming back into the UK. So all these teams throughout, um, throughout the United Kingdom anyway um, are having to deal with just how long it took their players to get back as well as how late their players were um, in finishing their season. 
So you're essentially missing all but one or two games of that first block, whereas normally you might miss two games, you might miss three games. You know, it's not a massive difference to what we would normally see. The extra week of Autumn Internationals is another sort of knock-on effect. But then once you get beyond that, it's just as it would be normally. Like, it just feels that there's more of a focus on Henderson because he's probably the player, well, definitely guaranteed to miss the start of the season, but guaranteed to miss during all Ireland weeks because he will definitely, definitely, definitely be in that 23. Like, you can put Rob Herring in that bracket. You're probably not going to see much, much of him through the autumn and then the Six Nations either. And um, I would say Stockdale probably too. Probably won't see mm-hmm. much of him. But I think that when we talk about this, it sounds like this is an outlier rather than the fact that this is just the norm. Like yeah. as much as they're going to try to, or say that they're trying to negate against it with the URC game weeks, like clubs just don't see an awful lot of their internationals. It's the reality of the mm. calendar the way it is now. With you mentioned Stockdale there, if because Robert Balcoon made such a successful Ireland debut, you think he he could make that step up? And if if Ulster are all of a sudden going to be missing both of those guys, it's a real it's a real blow to that uh, that back line. It is, yeah, and I'm not ruling out the fact that any of those guys that impressed over the summer, like I'm not ruling out the fact that with the first choice Ireland squad, they're not going to be involved either. I, was, I guess I was just handpicking those yeah. more established guys as ones that you would expect not to see, whereas if you don't see the other guys, it would be a pleasant surprise, um, I suppose. Yeah. But, you know, you know, you mentioned the wingers. Like, It's not that long ago that you would have been saying, oh, Stockdale's missing. This is going to be a massive blow. But it was Balakun that came in and got games, and then Balakun mm-hmm. comes Balakun. You know, it, the ERC being what it is, and the ultimate rugby championship, <laughs> <laughs> both ultimate and United in uh, <laughs> both name and ethos. Um, I think it would be good to use parts of that competition during the international windows to see these other guys. You know, if Stuart McCluskey and Luke Marshall had been available for every game last season. Would we have seen as much of James Hume and Stuart Moore? Maybe not. I think they would have been pushing hard regardless, but they maybe wouldn't have got that same chance if it wasn't for Ireland involvements or injuries. So, you know, if Ulster are missing, hypothetically speaking, Stockdale, Balakun and um, Addison for the same games during international windows, you know, you could see Sexton, you could see Moxham, like we're going to see see tomorrow night in the Saracens game. Um, they've still got Craig Gilroy, don't forget. Like, there are there are back three options there as much as some senior players have been moved on. And you need to give these guys game time. And as we saw from back when it was the Pro 14 and there were some understrength sides being played for much of last year, there's no better opportunity to give them something of a soft landing than some of the games that they're going to face. Like as much as we're saying that the competition in the league should be better this year, there's still going to be games that simply put are very one-sided. Yeah. Michael, we'll uh, we'll talk a little bit more about, um, about some of those uh, backline options later on when it comes to the team for the Saracens game, um, because uh, there's a young man, Iron Saxon, starting that no doubt people will will get excited about to some level. But first of all, before we leave Ian Henderson, we had the last time we were on was ahead of the the Lions tests, 
and not not in any way and i told you so or anything but i think we had sort of our guess was that it was quite possible that henderson would go the whole series without playing the test and here we are uh he didn't um just how big a blow is is that for him um yeah you're right actually we we did speculate that something might happen to him but not that he wouldn't get any any test moments um i'd say you know, with Johnny Sexton on this week saying what a blow it was that he didn't make the Lions tour. But I'd say in Henderson, that is a huge blow to have been on two Lions tours and probably not have a third one in the in the bank coming his way. And to not have any, not a second of Test Rugby, I'd say would be a massive blow. Um, you couldn't you couldn't really uh, dress it up in any other way. You know, to our knowledge, he, he was fit to play. Um and wasn't used. And um, clearly, with Alan Wynne-Jones not initially going, we thought, yep, yeah, well, complete shoe-in. But we thought that he would probably make uh, the 23, and he, he didn't get near it. Mm. So uh, a massive blow for him. Um, I'm sure he, knowing him, he's usually quite candid. So when he ever does get put up for media, if we haven't just forgotten about the Lions tour by that stage, which would be a good thing, actually, if we could forget about it, because it was so bad we may not even want to revisit that but if you did i'm sure he would probably tell you more or less how he was feeling mm-hmm. um about what, what what happened to him out in south africa um we, we we don't really know what happened other than he didn't get picked um we're pretty sure he wasn't injured so yeah massive blow just on a side note from that i noticed as well that this ulster team doesn't actually have karen chadwell in it so you know maybe there are uh, a few issues here with, with Ulster's locks, uh, which makes it an even more compelling need to get somebody like uh, McCarney in. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. I think Kieran Treadwell was on like semi-standby. I don't know if it was official standby, but like he was mentioned as part of a wider pool of players that maybe would have been involved in that with Ireland. Yeah. So that could have had a knock-on effect for the start of his preseason as well. Right. Yeah, okay. my, yeah, yeah. Fair enough, yeah. Okay. Do you think, Michael, Ian's 29 now, he'll be 23 or 33 by the time the Lions tour Australia in 2025? I know I'm asking you to project four years in advance, but do you think in all likelihood at that stage it might be just a, a, a bit beyond him at that stage if he doesn't get a... a I would say so. If I had to, you know, if, if you had to yeah. press me for some sort of speculative, and I do stress the highly speculative, yeah. you know, answer here because I am certainly no clairvoyant. Um, <laughs> I would have thought that with his injury profile that at 33 or whatever he would be very unlikely to go on a third Lions tour it would be some story if he did but I'd be very surprised if he's if he's there or indeed very surprised if by that stage even if he is fit if he really could be bothered with putting himself through this again but um, because again you know the South African experience was a very different one with um, due to the COVID issues so I would have thought that by 33, he probably wouldn't be in the frame for it, no. And if he does, we'll be able to clip that bit of audio of you saying it won't happen and uh, play it back if we're still here in the podcast, is still on the go in uh, in 20. Yeah, so I was thinking that, but then I probably have retired by the time and he's 33 <laughs> anyway, so it won't really matter anymore. <laughs> So, at least then we only have uh, we only have three three years left of your company yeah. on this podcast. That was a that was a bombshell. Well, yeah, yeah, I suppose it was, wasn't it? Maybe, yeah, maybe I'm being a bit premature there, but uh, in three years' time, I'll be, I'll be fifty-nine. So who knows? Who knows what will be going on? Who knows? So you know, we got to think of it in that way. 
Yeah. You'd be living in the Bahamas somewhere. You wouldn't know. The recruitment then, obviously, Leonie Nakarawa was supposed to come in and that deal collapsed um, because of a, a complication in the medical. Dan had a little bit to say about this at yesterday's press conference, Jonathan, as regards the Nakarawa signing and uh, the, not failure, but the fact that they, they didn't bring anybody else in, in, in his stead. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where regardless of what you thought Nakarawa, Nakarawa was going to bring um, in terms of quality on the pitch, I suppose he would have brought a bit of a buzz to the preseason, maybe a bit of a buzz to tomorrow night, just by having you know a big name new signing, even if he wasn't, um, in my opinion anyway, likely to bring the form that people were that people readily associate with him. Mm-hmm. Um, I could be wrong. We'll find out about that uh, when he's playing for Toulon. I think um, yeah. Yeah, it could be, could be one where he goes on to have a stormer in the top fourteen. But um, <laughs> and I think. Part of that is just the reality of the landscape at the minute. Like we spent an awful lot of time last year talking about how difficult player retention was going to be. And while yes, there were a number of players that left that possibly in an ideal world also would have looked to keep for depth. They managed to keep a very large percentage of their squad and they managed to keep whether it be themselves or whether it be the RFU central contracts, they managed to keep the vast majority of their key players, if you know what I mean. Like, there were, you know, Albie Matthewson leaving, that does hurt their depth at scrum half. Like, mm. Matt F- Fares was an option in a number of different positions for that he played it in the Pro 14 last season. Lou Lydica, as much as it wasn't, a decision to be made given the injuries. That's another experienced, versatile campaigner. But I think you can lose sight of how Ulster maintain so much of their squad when an awful lot of other teams, not necessarily in Ireland, but an awful lot of other teams elsewhere in the league weren't able to do that. So while it is strange to say, you know, there's no new faces on any sort of long-term contracts beyond, um, you know, into the latter half of the season... I don't think Ulster will suffer for from it particularly. And the point that I suppose Dan made last week without linking it to the wider financial situation in rugby at the minute is, you know, there's no point bringing in numbers because you're not looking for the squad size that you would have had in the past. What you're looking for is the squad quality. Yeah. Now, I also did ob- obviously lose Marcel Katsia and that's a massive amount of quality that wasn't replaced. But given how little he played, Basically, since it was announced he was leaving in Christmas, it doesn't so much feel like a, a summer departure, do you know what I mean? Because they already had to work out how to play with item through, through Nick Timoney, which is something that I suppose Dan was talking about again yesterday. Of You know, they need somebody who's better than what they have to come in. And they didn't feel like they were able to find that. And how pressing an issue do you think that is, Michael? Do you think, like, does the tobacco concern you in any way? Or do you think... Like, is it an area that they should have be actively looking out for? Or do you think, do you know, actually, Nick Timoney's fine there? There's no there's no issue? He is good enough? Well, I don't think there's any doubt Nick Timoney is good enough. Uh, there would be concerns, perhaps, overall, the strength and depth of the back row. Uh, I was just thinking there as well that hopefully this Christmas we won't have a high-profile departure. Like we did last Christmas, we were just talking about Marcel Kutsia. That was 
was that was a very that was a very memorable Christmas, shall I say? Was it Boxing Day or something? Anyway, no, never it mind. was. It was actual. It was. It was Christmas Day. It was the Lord Jesus. It was Christmas Day. <laughs> yeah, you were off, and I I was not. I I remember that. Yes. So you don't you don't forget days like that, do you? Um, Christmas days blend into one after a while, but then when the Christmas day <laughs> arrives, and you've got all just highest profile signing deciding or being announced that he's returning to South Africa, you don't forget them in a hurry. Um, I would be a bit concerned at their strength and depth. I think um, Nakarawa, had he been deployed in that area, we're not entirely sure what way Dan saw him fitting in. Uh, would have an extra body, yeah. But the fact was, and it's been documented, very well documented, and I think we probably talked about it until we're blue in the face, was that the space that was given by Marcel's unavailability uh, and then ultimate departure, Nick Timoney filled that void and then some. Um, and again, you might not have foreseen that. It's like Johnny said earlier, you know, the Jacob Stockdale thing, oh dear, isn't it terrible? He's away to Ireland. Oh, but here we have Robert Balakoon. I think something very similar happened there with Nick Timoney. Mm-hmm. Um, he stepped in and nobody really saw it coming, but he showed that he is quality. My other my concern would be maybe the balance of the back row. Um, I'm, I'm not I'm not just so sure, but I think you know Nick Timoney's got to be in that starting back row, and, and that opportunity that he got as Marcel kind of you know got injured and then sort of drifted away, uh, he took with both hands, and they can also can be very confident that if Nick Timoney is playing. They will have a quality operator and, and a player who has really set his stall out at the back end, not the back end, but I think really from almost Christmas time, if not after it last season, with some really, really, really strong uh, performances. And with Sean Reedy there as well, if he, Sean Reedy is another quality, quality player. But then I'm, I'm just not, I don't know, I'm just not so sure that they have tremendous strength and depth now in that area. But David McCann hopefully will come through this season and, 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 and possibly show that you know what what he can offer you've got Matty Ray Marcus Ray you've got Greg Jones and Jordy of course in that area and and Jordy too I should I, I should mention Jordy I thought also had a very good season last season what probably his best season I think for Ulster since he got here so if you put Timoney Murphy and Reedy together that is a really that, that that's a quality unit what you may not be so confident about is the backup to that unit so if all three of them can stay fit and inform they can do some real good work for Ulster in the season coming. Okay. Obviously, like, injuries are a massive part of this, right? But, like, mm-hmm. people focus on the back row because Marcel was there and because I suppose there's a flashiness to it in terms of carries and turnovers, which are two things that you couldn't help but notice Marcel was doing. But, like, you know, you mentioned those three guys, and those three guys are perfectly capable of being a good back row for a top six URC team, I think. Like, I'd be more concerned about their depth in other, their strength and depth in other places in the pack. Now, granted, that is because of the injury profile that they have at the minute, which hasn't afflicted the back rowers. But, like, if I'm looking at the players that I have in that squad, splitting it up into back row, second row, and front row, I think I'd be more concerned about the depth in the front and the second rows than I would be in the back row. Yeah, but like what they have, they have. There's not going to be anybody else coming in at this stage, obviously. No, you're right. This this is just a completely hypothetical of just, you know, <laughs> everyone's talking about should they go after another back rower? And like, you know, 
if they could sign a 25 cap Springbok in the mould of Katsia to replace him, then absolutely that's something that they should do. But I wouldn't be panicking about the depth in the back row any more than I would be concerned <laughs> about getting an injury in the front row. Like, right, as an example, you know, if Jack McGrath is to miss most of the season and you get one more injury at Loosehead, then where are you? You know, if you're going to be missing Rob Herring for most of the season through Ireland call-ups, like, how do you feel about your depth at Hooker if you get an injury to one of the other players there? Mm, yeah. You know, we've already talked about how the second row stock looks without Henderson and with Izajiku out for a while. Like, the players, in my mind, that they have in the back row to back up those three presumed starters have probably shown a bit more Mm. than maybe some of the guys that we're talking about filling in further forward in the pack. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's a fair point. And it, it, it is a fair point. That is the concern. You know, it's the old front five thing. Yeah, It's probably what we were talking about last year as well, actually. And now with the injuries, especially with Jack McGrath, it, 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 is, it is going to be a problem. It, it'll find them out sooner or later unless either they can find somebody in the short term, which I don't think they probably can at this stage. It, it 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 is it is going to be an issue that they they could be under quite a bit of pressure in that area. Mm, yeah, just for having lack of fit players and available ones too. Yeah, just interesting that Dan sort of spoke about that the the back row in the press conference yesterday. But I suppose that's probably more just on questioning about Nakarawa and to say that well, if somebody comes in who drastically improves us, we'll sign them in the back row. But you could probably say that about any position on the pitch if they hit somebody who becomes available and attainable for them who will drastically improve them in any position, they'll, they'll maybe try and sign them. Do you know what I mean? To, exactly. Like, you know, you haven't spent the money. And while in the current climate, maybe they're happy not to spend the money. But, yeah. you know, you, you to my mind anyway, you could say the same. Obviously, the RFU would have to sanction it, which might be the point of difference. But you could say the same thing about a loose head, you know, if a loose head became available. Because, you know, Say as an example, like I think Callum Reid will be a good player, right? But say as an example, Eric O'Sullivan gets called up for Ireland and Jack McGrath misses, you know, you know Jack McGrath's missing in well into the Six Nations next year. Mm-hmm. Then you've got plenty of weeks where you're looking around and being like, well, you know, if we if a loose head gets injured, <laughs> gets injured in training during the week, like who's going to be the next man uh, in line? Because you would have what yeah. Callum Reid and Andy Warwick, you know, there is definitely an issue in depth that is going to be seen across most of the teams in the URC given the way people's <coughs> squad construction had to change but yeah, I wouldn't yeah. be as concerned about Ulster shipping one injury and what they do in terms of the back row mm-hmm. as I would be in some of the other positions in the squad night the back the backs are completely different because basically I think Ulster's second choice back line in most positions would look completely at home in the URC if it was a starting back line also, I suppose it's worth bearing in mind something we didn't mention was Tom O'Toole's bound to get probably called up to the wider Ireland squads as well. Um, so he could be going down the road for periods of time in Dublin too. I'm sure, you know, he, he may even feature in that game in the USA. Andy Farrell sort of sprinkles it about a bit again, like he did um, at the end of the series there over the summer. So again, that leaves Ulster, you know, with Marty Moore and then, you know, you got Ross Kane. Uh, I think Gareth Milosinovich can play both sides, I think. But you know, you're you know one of those guys has a problem, and uh, you're really really down to bare bones. Just I mean, we're probably getting a bit way, way laid with the like how Ireland's going to affect things. But you know, 
Farrell's not going to play his first choice 23, four weeks in a row. No, yeah, well, this is it. So the game that's going to be involving the wider squad players, which is where you think a lot of those young one once-capped Ulster players could get a second cap, would be in the USA, which is one week after Ulster play Connacht in Galway. So you could lose players for that game. And then after that, you don't, you know, after that, you don't have um, league games. But, you know, you could end up playing a derby without your frontline internationals, but also your second line internationals because they're all going to be preparing to head to Vegas. Yeah, and fair play to them. Um, while we're talking about Ireland International, something else that happened over the summer that was uh, a dream for uh, headline writing and uh, getting people to onto the website, um, there was a, a familiar combination for Ireland under-20s at the halfback with Humphreys and Duke. Just how excited should people be getting about this, uh, about this pairing coming up through the ranks? Well, I think, you know, Nathan Duke, and I think we maybe actually talked about this in a past podcast. It was interesting again to see him play against people his own age, because we haven't seen that since um, since the schools cup. You know, I saw him play for in Ulster A games where he was playing against like Cardiff Blues as an example, where they had like professional rugby players in yeah. their prime, yeah. if you like, in their peak years playing in their A side. And you know, he played well that day. But you're sort of looking at it being, you know, you're comparing apples and oranges at that stage it's the same when he was making his debut so soon out of school for the Ulster senior team like you're seeing a player play at a level ordinarily that you wouldn't see them play at until they're a good bit older so to watch him for the under 20s and see him play against players his own age is a reminder of just how much quality he has and you know we mentioned um, we mentioned Albie Matheson's departure there and that really leaves Ulster with now I know they've got they've got Lewis Finley as well they've got Scrum House in the academy but that I suppose back up to um, John Cooney isn't as clear cut as it was and you know we spoke about it before you know Rory Best not that long ago a couple of months ago was talking about the idea of Duke even putting pressure on Cooney this season mm-hmm. and obviously as it stands now John Cooney's co- his contract doesn't go beyond this year so it's it's a big season for Duke, I think, just to um, just to see what he can do at this level on a more consistent basis when given when given those minutes, because we I think we all expect him to play more this year than the limited amounts that we saw him last year. Yeah. Okay. It certainly does look like an exciting season for him, and he does get the nod to start the uh, the first friendly against Saracens at Kingspan Stadium at seven o'clock, um, tomorrow evening, Friday evening. Um, just very quickly to run through the team, which has just dropped just as we started recording. Uh, the back lines, uh, Saxon, which no doubt people will be excited about. He starts at the fullback, and Gilroy, Murr, Curtis, Moxham, Madigan, and Nathan Doak, and then in the pack. Callum Reid, John Andrew, Ross Keane, uh, Carney and Sam Carter, who's the captain. And then the back row, the two Ray brothers and uh, Greg Jones. So um, we're not going to spend too much time looking forward to um, to the, the first friendly. Um, oh, there's 14 replacements as well. They're basically everybody else who's fit and uh, wasn't involved in Ireland over the summer is on the bench. Um, Michael, what's the, what's the sort of the main point of note or the main uh, main thing to watch that people should be looking out for um, in this game? Perhaps some of those young players coming through that uh, that maybe uh, can, uh, 
hint at, at a potential big season for them? Yeah, I mean, we've um, obviously a lot of focus will be on Aaron Sexton and to an extent. Nathan Doten will be interesting to see how Angus Curtis goes as well. Stuart Moore has already laid down a bit of a marker uh, as a player with a future. Um, and Ben Moxham as well. But there are two guys also on the bench who I'm quite interested in seeing. Jude Postlewaite, who uh, is a very strong running centre, who I've seen... I think he was with Ireland under-20s. I can't remember if he actually played for them or not. But, I think, um, but I've seen him at club level. Um, he's pretty useful. And also Harry Sheridan, who's a lock, interestingly enough, second row, um, who's also a pretty useful player as well. And I, I'm, I'd be interested to see how they go. Most of the others we kind of know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think a great deal of focus would be to see how Aaron Sexton goes. You know, if the all-round game... Is, is is sounder perhaps um, than it was before um, and whether he gets an opportunity to show uh, that blistering pace that we all know he has uh, yeah, but I think yeah one now people are probably this is the season really where people are going to start looking for him to step up isn't it surely yeah oh no I, I, absolutely um, he really needs to, to 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 make some sort of breakthrough and get more senior games now uh, at this at this at this stage. Um, I guess if he's going to really, uh, well, that, that horrible phrase, you know, kick on to um, you know that, that 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 next that next stage of of playing regular senior rugby, and I'm sure the general hope is that that he will, which is why you know he got one of those uh, deal upgrades. Um, so that, that'll be very useful. But again, you know, as Johnny said, it, you know, the issues aren't necessarily with the backs because they have an awful lot of good young backs and established ones as well who they can choose from. It's up front that really is holds most of the interest, and it will also be interesting to see how just to see how Mick Carney goes. I, I, I suspect we might be seeing a fair bit of him as the URC gets going. I, I don't know that Matty Ray Marcus Gray get. You know, Greg Jones back row as well is very much the the backup to the guys we were talking about earlier. And Greg Jones actually had quite a good season last season, so um, he'll definitely be looking. And of course, uh, Callum Reed, yes, Callum Reed's another one who sort of crept through here. He is was identified a long time ago as a player of great promise, and he sort of stepped away from it for a while. Now he's come back through the club game, and I think that he has a very bright future with Ulster. And again, you'd just be looking to see how these guys go. It won't tell you too much. It's a friendly after all, and a lot of them will probably go off at half time anyway. But just to see some of these guys get another run out, it will be interesting to see. And obviously, Dan McFarland will be watching very closely how they go as well. Absolutely. Well, Jonathan, before we go, the uh, Ulster Women's Interprovincial campaign has begun. Not entirely uh, pleasing result a 55 defeat to Munster, but you have uh, been doing plenty of work around that game. Paul Marshall is in uh, the coaching ticket now as well. What's the sort of uh, the hopes around around that team and the, and the plans for for progress from here? Well, it's fairly difficult because you know previewing the game there was obviously a fair amount of uh, fair amount of buzz, fair amount of optimism about um, maybe breaking this nine year duck at some time during this championship, and then the result on Saturday obviously. Being as one-sided as it was, shipping the uh, shipping the eight tries maybe uh, brings home just how difficult that's going to be. And there's a number there's a number of reasons for that. Obviously, there's no internationals playing in this interpro series. 
we've seen from when the internationals are playing in the club game, the vast majority of those in recent years that have gone on to play for Ireland from Ulster are playing with Dublin clubs. And there's a knock on effect there of what that does for the club game in uh, in Ulster and where the club game is in Ulster. And like that's not a knock on not a knock on the players that are playing in Dublin. It's not a knock on the players that are playing in the club game here. It's just a reality of the situation. Mm. You know, you look at the league table in the Women's All-Ireland and again, you can see that the club game is still just that little bit stronger in in some of the other provinces. So when you have a situation like Saturday where, you know, I suppose you've got 11 of the Munster team coming from the same club and then Further to that idea, that gives them a little bit more continuity. They had a warm-up game against Connacht, whereas an awful lot of the Ulster players were playing their first game in 18 months. There were some players that were playing their first senior game ever. There were some players that were playing their first game at that level for Ulster. And mm-hmm. yes, yeah, it's probably just it's it's a big step at the minute between uh, between the two uh, between the two sides. I think in that the uh, that probably showed on the showed on the day, and it's another tough assignment against uh, against Leinster this weekend. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's uh, pretty much all we have time for. Um, but we are back now for the new season. That's us up and running, and we will uh, be back with you after the the Saracens game. So um, for now, from Michael Sadler, thank you very much for joining us, Michael. Oh, thank you for having me, Gareth. Goodbye. A pleasure as always. Thank you very, very much. Jonathan Bradley, you've muted yourself. I assume your dog's barking, Poppy's barking. He just wants to say goodbye. Let him say goodbye. No, there's uh, just more vans going by in the road that he just feels that he has to make aware that uh, he's there. You know? Well, from uh, Jonathan Bradley, Michael Sadler, Poppy the dog, and myself, Gareth Hanna, thanks very much for listening.